Hello, hello, hello. How is everybody doing? And welcome to episode 161 of the Sims and Left Go podcast. Yeah. Can you even get your voice to be like mine? Can you even get your voice to be Can like you? mine? So if I'm hanging out with my brother. <laughs> that and sounded been, exact. That was not bad. If, <laughs> if me and my brother are drinking or if I get tired, he says that I turn into the Batman voice. Oh. And I'll, I'll be like, Jason, I don't know what you're talking about. And he's like, why does your voice get like that? And I'm like, I don't know. I've started to do that before. I feel like some of my voices really have come out because of you. You've kind of coaxed them out over the years. Yes. No, well, we know that you're when you're speaking about other draft evaluators and they're dumb, right. you do the Phil Sums, Phil Sims dumb voice. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I don't know what you're talking about. This. Yeah. I like quarterbacks that like are good accurate for um, so we're a little excited because we spent the morning hanging out with Joe Montana. Yeah. The real Joe Montana. The real one. And I pitched him my Niners uh, Odell Beckham 1981 theory. And uh, that's all coming up in a little bit. But uh, he's the man. He is the man. He's legitimately Joe Cool. He's. I know. That's why, I mean, you'll... Joe I, Relax. I had to ask him. Yeah, Joe Relax. Joe unfazed by anything. Oh, we're in an interview with Sims and Lefko. Great. It's pretty crazy that you can think you can get that big, and then you just spend a day... Like people just want to talk to you, and he—it's about the heart. Uh, he, he he wanted to, you know, help with heart disease and coverage and all that. But like, when you can accomplish something in your life, and then the rest of your life, people will be like, "I'll pay money because to be around you." I mean, he's in another stratosphere. Like, like he's in a different stratosphere than your dad. What? They're not even in dad, the same stratosphere. But They're that, not in the same one. I thought they were. No. Yeah, I don't think they are. And it, and the funny thing is, and people will hear in the uh, hear in the interview because I bring this up, but. I think my dad semi thought he was in his stratosphere. You didn't bring it up. You said it to him before. I said the, it to him before. Yes, you did not save it for the oh, podcast. Darn it. And I was really pissed. Damn, that so was might stupid as well of me. Tell it right now. I guess I will. So, but yes, I, I do think there was a point in time where my dad thought like maybe he was in the same stratosphere, and he was sitting there in the airport one day, and he's sitting off in the corner, and he sees a rush of people, and he can't understand, and he sees, oh, it's Joe, and hey, you know, Joe, and he just, I remember he called me on the phone that night. He was like, yeah. Saw Joe Montana on the airport tonight. Man, just forgot how big time he was. <laughs> I mean, man, he's a big deal. <laughs> I mean, the people were all over him. Because yeah, like when right. we went to the Super Bowl, I was walking with Phil, and he had all the autograph people coming over. And you don't realize how many people pointed at him and go, I think that's Phil Sims. Yes, right. But Joe. Joe. I mean, Joe can make millions a year just signing things, right? Right. And doing those types, like going to autograph signing auctions or whatever else, doing things like that. Like, I know this is for charity. Right. uh, But for whatever it may be, be the spokesman of this. I mean, the price he must demand or command is probably impressive. So he was the the Skechers guy. We didn't talk about this either. But I think it's really funny. Like, you know that like Skechers are making a comeback in like the fashion scene. I'm not even kidding. Wait, There's a dad well, shoe movement going on right wait, now. Wait, the, like the ugly shoe movement I've heard about? Kind of. Yeah. So, um, uh, who is it called? Uh, Balenciaga, I think it was, came out with like a very clunky dad type of shoe. Right. And then it launched all these other shoe companies to like want to make dad shoes. Yes. And now like the Air Monarch, which is like the most dad shoe ever. And Can the, you show it to me? Yes. Yeah. And then Skechers, like the stuff that he used to rock and it was right. like a joke. These are the Air Monarchs. These bad boys. 
These were like scientifically proven yeah. to be the most dad shoe. When Nike put out their shoes, they had a creator say, we want to make a shoe for dads. It right. was never called that. Right. But this guy went and was like, okay, well, they typically like white, gray, and blue, and they typically like this. It's the highest selling shoe, I think, in Nike history. Is that right? Yes, because I, every freaking dad has one. That's not a bad one. I'd like to wear that with my khakis right now. Right, that's what I'm saying. Like a nice pleated khaki right. and an Air Monarch. Right, but my wife was showing me something about like how ugly sneakers are like becoming yeah. in fashion right now. Yeah, but I'm not going to say that like the Skechers were like that cool. No, they were ugly. Yeah, that's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah, they're ugly. I'm getting. And they're, you. I'm they're just... making like a movement because if you look at like some of the Kanyes, like this is what people don't realize: the number one fashion influencer, and this is supposed to be a football podcast. Yeah. The number one fashion influencer is probably Kanye. And what is Kanye? A father of three. You know what I mean? Like, and he's wearing like the bulky, chunky sweatshirts and all that stuff. He's a dad. I listen. I I don't get it. I know my wife likes to buy his clothes too, and I'm just like, okay, whatever. That's good. I know. I'm a little bit of a hater on Yeezy. Yeah, we saw that with my, with uh, Martellus. I know. I'm a hater. I, I respect the music, and I, when the music comes out, it's jamming. I just actually don't like the guy. Yeah. I don't like him. I disagree. Yeah, I know. It's because you're not in the players' podcast. You know why. You know what my one of my biggest reasons is, but I'm not going to go there for right now. Yeah, Let's just keep there. on and move on. Uh, all right, so Joe Montana is coming up in a little bit. Sixty one, sixty one. Because Chris Godfrey left guard for the New York Giants. Great. Uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna list a team, and you tell me if you can get the guy Roger right now. Roger Maris, uh, Denver, the Broncos, Paradise. Yes, center Matt Paradise, uh, Indianapolis, Indianapolis. Oh gosh, I know this one. Um, nope, I don't. Go ahead. Center Anthony Fabiano. Damn. The Chiefs. Oh, it's Mitch Morse. Mitch Morse, the Damn. center. Uh, the Patriots. This is crazy that you can even do this. Oh, wait, 61 on the Patriots? Yeah. Did he even play much this year, right? Marcus Cannon. Oh, Cannon. Well, yeah, that's right. I had to bring Yep, him. I forgot uh, Cannon was still there. I was the thinking. The Raiders. The Raiders, Rodney Hudson. Yes. And the Philadelphia Eagles. Kelsey's not 61. No, he's not. Who is the 62 is Kelsey. Yeah, wait, who's the 62? To his left. To his left is Wisniewski. Wisniewski. Right. That's pretty good that you can get those. Okay, thanks. Uh, how about this? Right. We're interviewing Joe Montana. Yeah. His two centers right. both wore 61. Both? I wish I knew. Jesse Sapolo, yeah. four-time Super Bowl champ for San Francisco for like a decade and a half. Right. And Tim Grunhard, he went to the Chiefs, and that was the the center for the Chiefs for like the decade. That's crazy. Both were 61. And Joe was 16, which is the reverse 61. Wow, that's actually, I would have liked to have done that to him. Rich Saul, the Rams center for the 70s. Robbie Tobeck, Falcons and Seahawks in 90s and 2000s. Nick Hardwick of the Chargers. Yeah. Steve Everett, first round pick of the Browns, and Nate Newton. Nate Newton, big Nate. Okay, so was Nate the one that got into the drug trouble? Yes. And now he like completely cleaned up, lost like two hundred pounds, and now like works for the Cowboys. Right. What? So I've always heard so many Larry Allen stories. Yeah. But Nate Newton, Newton was always listed as a great offensive lineman. He was. How, I mean, he went to six Pro Bowls, two All Pros. Like, what? How good was Nate Newton? Uh. <laughs> Back in that day, I mean, Nate Newton was 
the, I felt like the first guy I learned about, like I learned about him before Larry Allen. And like Leon he was saying, right? It was just, hey, oh, Dallas Cowboys, their offensive line, it's so big, it's so overpowering. And of course, he was a great personality, unlike Larry Allen, who was a little more quiet and reserved. Yeah, Larry Allen was like the big dude that put up a lot of weight but didn't talk a lot. Yes, exactly right. Um, but no, I, I think like there, who's who's a guy we would say that's like that today? I mean, listen, he was a true road grader. He's not like necessarily the guy you always wanted to just go out and pull out on the edge, right? but didn't matter the size of the human being in front of him, he would be able to move him back. Uh, Alright, so we are recording this on a Tuesday. On a Tuesday. Going up. On a Tuesday. Because I have jury duty tomorrow. What a... Yeah. I, what I'm a loser. Yeah. Serving my... I'm a civil Still, servant. Call tonight. Call tonight. Because sometimes they can cancel your thing the night before, and then you really? don't have to go. Yes, I've gotten out of it twice that way, where it's actually my case got canceled. Oh. And it told, at least on my form, it said call the night before you go. I have a bad feeling that I'm going to be involved in like a three-month court case. I hope you're involved in the most intricate murder or murder trial ever. <laughs> uh, and you have to balance that and this all together. I don't know. <laughs> they, they won't let you go to work. They don't even let you go to my work. Pro- I'm just going to be like, listen, I have a podcast, yeah. and I talk way too much, and you're guilty. <laughs> That's what you get should say. That's all you do. I'm a personality on TV or on the internet. Yeah, but I also kind of want to get stuck in a three-month court case, because I think the content coming out of it would be incredible. Well, yeah, okay, fine. Then do it. All right, but one guy that's been on trial, yes, unrightfully so, Odell Beckham Jr. Mm. And we're talking about it because Ray Lewis was on Colin Coward's show. And yeah. I want to say something first. Colin Coward kind of set Ray Lewis up. I rewatched the clip. But Colin Coward said this. He goes, Ray, Odell Beckham Jr. was on the market, and he said nobody made an offer for him, and the Rams vetted him, and apparently, from what I heard, didn't like what they found. So do you know any about this? Were people offering? Were they calling? Like, Yeah. Uh, uh, yes, a lot of people called the New York Giants. Right. Yes, and the big thing is... The big talk in the NFL was find out what he's really like behind the scenes. Gotcha. Yes. But then the Rams not liking what they heard. Nobody's been able to confirm, and I'm not going to add to this this talk, right? Because Colin just like threw it in there, and that's the reason why I because think there's Ray two Lewis rumors in him. the NFL out there right now okay. about Odell Beckham Jr. and I'm not going to talk about them because I don't think they. Deserve- they're rumors. They're rumors. All right, so if you want me to talk about them, I don't think so. Okay, fine. But they are. They're, I don't want to give them any justification because they are rumor. Nobody has been able to confirm it. Whether I talk to head coaches or GMs or whatever, there, everybody's there, heard gonna, these gonna, things, yeah, but they don't are, know. There are two rumors that are. Uh, saying that he has bad character or that he's doing things. But I don't know. I think once you start putting them out there, then he has to defend himself against it. And that's kind of what happened with Ray Lewis. Yes, right. So Ray Lewis was asked this, you know, what what do you think about Ray? Or he said, Colin said, what would you say to Odell? And Ray said, quote, when there is no God, there is chaos. I started to see he started to distance himself a little more and a little more and a little more. Listen to me. I don't care about religion. I'm talking about foundation. When your foundation is disturbed, when everything you are doing is the opposite of what got you to this place, then you are making your own life hard. You tell me that we're going to be accountable, that we're going to read Bibles and share scripture, and then it kind of goes away. Now, Odell responded on Instagram by posting oh. four videos of him with his family praying and like his family, like holding his hand. He's holding his old grandmother's hand and he wrote the caption underneath the foundation was installed at birth. We will survive and prevail always God willing. And they like they were praying to Jesus. And I watched all four clips. Right. Um, 
it sounds, I heard you talking about this on PFT earlier, it sounds like Ray Lewis was like, I'm going to help you. Yes. And then Odell was like, thank you, Ray. Right. And then Ray was like texting him every day, and it just seems like Odell stopped texting back. And I'm just going to say, as someone that's closer to Odell's age than Ray Lewis's age, that I probably don't need like someone texting me every day uh, for their benefit. Like, I don't know. Like, it's really just to, like, make Ray feel like he's involved. Um, I don't I don't think – I don't think Odell needs guidance, but I sure as hell see a lot of people trying to be his guide. Yeah, right. That's I, what I'm seeing. I, again, for the nine millionth time, I mean, what, what are we correcting? Like, a, a guy that cares about football? Oh, he has an emotional outburst on the field because he wants to win. If he was the opposite, we'd all go, oh. I think it's the three-second so, video. It's the three-second video, sure. But we were talking about him before the three-second video because it was the boat trip. And, oh, my gosh, he proposed to the kicking net. And it's all the same crap. It's just he's under a microscope but unlike I've ever seen. Guide. But the the guide. Like, like these, like yeah. Chris Carter. Yeah, I'm going to get there. Like, the, the thing with, like, Ray Lewis – all right, first of all, Ray Lewis and Chris Carter. Like, I have a lot of respect for the, both of them. Both I of really them. do. But I also think that they got to remember what it was like when they were 25 or 26 years old, too. Okay. I mean, and they if certainly anyone weren't should perfect. remember, it's those two. Right. They were not perfect. And I'm also saying just hearing from all the outside noise all the time. I'm sure at that age, they were like, gosh, okay, I got enough people telling me to correct my life or whatever. Shut up, everybody. Yes. And this is Odell Beckham Jr., who's way more famous and way more popular than Ray Lewis and Chris Carter ever were at their, that point of their career. So I'm with you. Like what, what we talked about a little bit. To me, it sounds like Ray reached out. Odell Beckham Jr. is a respectful guy. He respects the game, and I'm sure he looks up to Ray, and he's going – Cool. I, I, Ray, I would love for you to call me every now and then and, you know, we'll talk. And if I have any issues, you can I do that with in the my right. friends. You do that with your friends. Hey, man, keep kicking ass. You're right. doing awesome. Love right. you. Whatever. Yeah. But it seems like it might have, like you said, not every day, but maybe Ray's calling well, twice Ray a week. Ray said. Texting that, every day. Ray said, you tell me that we're going to be accountable, that we're going to read Bibles and share scripture. And I'm thinking, I already could tell that Ray took it too far. Yeah. Like, I could already tell that Odell's like, yeah, man, let's keep in contact. And Ray was like, like every day. Yeah, that's just that's come on. Nobody wants to deal with that. I mean, it's nobody wants to have that pushed upon them. Uh, he wants to live his life. He wants to be a little conscience free right now. So be it. It's what also makes him awesome on the football field. And I just yes, there's too many people trying to get at Odell Beckham Jr. And we're going to talk about every little thing in the world. Yeah, I. I th- just like when I hear Chris Carter and Ray Lewis, and again, I respect them both, and I would say this right to their faces, I think that they went through both some very like crazy things in their life, whether it was drugs or accusations in Ray's case, and then they came out the other side, and now they look back at that as like 45-year-old men, and they go, you got to get away from that. Yeah. But they, they're, not, they're not talking to Odell like he's 25. They're talking to him like he's 45. Well, and, they're ta- no, they're, and, and you're right. He's more famous than they ever were. Ever were. And he's and talking more marketable. to them, and he's talking and they're talking to him like he has the issues they had. And I want to go, no, he has not been accused of murder or has a serious drug problem. So, problem. Sorry. That's not what it is. No. I mean, we're ta- the worst thing he's done is maybe he allegedly he had a blunt in his hand in a hotel room in France. Oh, my God. Let's call the authorities. Let's go over to Paris, France and inspect the room to make sure if it was a marijuana blunt or not. I mean, who gives a damn, first of all? Nobody even cares. I know. Okay? But we're going to continue to add that on to the pile of things what that we're concerned no- about. What about the notion of the jilted guide, right? So here's Chris Carter. 
supported him to no end last offseason. He was like the the yeah, mouthpiece. Right. And this year he's tired of it. And then Ray Lewis, I tried to reach out. So, you know, if you're going to be the teacher for someone, you then can't publicly bash them when they say, I don't need your teaching anymore. Right. right. Like, if anything, you're You have you're, to continue your him. teachings. Yes. Continue your teachings. It doesn't matter. You're not doing this just for Odell Beckham Jr., right? I'm not a religious person. Right. Me neither. But James 3.1, I looked it up this afternoon. Not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that he who that we who teach will be judged with greater strictness. Uh. So that's my thing. Yeah. You're going to teach someone, they don't want your teachings anymore, and then you're going to make it worse for them. They're the, the, the two biggest critics in the last three weeks yeah. have been Chris Carter and Ray Lewis. Right. I just think it's messed up to someone like Odell. Understand what he's going through, and anytime you add fuel to that fire, you're making it worse. Well, just player-to-player world, right? Like, I mean, just, just, just in that alone, it's... It's just not right. It's, you know, respect the player, okay? I mean, this is this is Odell Beckham Jr., and he is in a certain point of his life and his career, and he doesn't want to be corrected and just managed and looked over at all times. I don't really know what the other way to put it. Yeah. Man, we get really defensive of Odell. Well, I mean, it's ridiculous, the amount of attention. Yeah. I mean— I, you know, again, I don't know. We're talking about, oh my gosh, he, he went to OTAs. He went to the first day of training camp. He went to the first day of workouts, off-season training program. Oh my gosh, let's make a story about it. I can't believe he's there because he's always there and he never misses anything. But it's amazing he's there this time. Yes. I mean, that's what I don't get. I'm realizing that today's episode, in addition to Joe Montana, is going to be the spiritual and religion episode. Oh. Uh, did you know that the spiritual leader of our generation apparently had a special guest today? Spiritual leader of our generation. Yeah. Gosh, who is our spiritual leader? He met with the Dalai Lama. He met with the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Okay, what person is this? What person Isn't is this? Isn't the Pope? It is not the Pope. Oh. I Can know. I uh, have some uh, audio, please, really quick? Uh, the Dalai Lama met with our spiritual leader, Aaron Rodgers, in India. Wow. Yes. I hope he paid proper respects to Aaron Rodgers. I hope so, too. The, uh, the Packers quarterback is on a trip with his girlfriend, Danica Patrick, as part of a philanthropic mission with Starkey Hearing Foundation, giving hearing aids to many who don't have access otherwise. Rogers gave the Dalai Lama a hat and a ball. And then Mike McCarthy said, we're going to change the offense. See what happens when you see the Dalai Lama? I'd like to welcome those that are unaware that they've stepped into a place of worship. This is the Church of Aaron Rodgers. We maintain a few core beliefs here. Yes, we do. While not the creator or the son of the creator, Aaron Rodgers is the BFF of the creator. Aaron Rodgers' right arm is the Holy Spirit. Yes. And if you ever commit a sin, you shall repent with one Hail Mary from Aaron Rodgers against your favorite team. (laughs) That is how you shall repent. We, Sims and Lefko, warmly invite you to connect and participate in the church of Aaron Rodgers. Man. Yeah. That is some bad elevator music there, right there. Gosh, that music's weird. That is on YouTube, relaxing church music. <laughs> yes, it's weird. <laughs> but yeah, I saw the picture and I was like, the Dalai Lama met with Aaron Rodgers? Jeez. Yeah. So he's traveling around with Danica. 
I guess they're serious, huh? Yeah, I saw him like kissing her before a race. Damn. Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick. Wow. I think you ask a good question. Right. Who is driving home? Who is driving home? I want to know. That's that's one I really do want to know. I'm letting her drive. As we've talked about, yeah. you're, you you would scare Danica with the way that you drive. <laughs> I don't know about that. Danica would get in the car and be like, whoa, slow down. Why are you yelling? Stop cutting lanes. You'd be like, Danica, sit back. But what if she was the opposite? She was like, is this stick? Okay, good. Let's go. Yeah. Buckle up. But Aaron Rodgers and Danica Patrick. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting. It is interesting. Yeah, but I saw that picture of the Dalai Lama, and I was like, wow, it goes perfectly into our little religious thing here. Yes, it is nice. Uh, well another played. one, uh, Baker Mayfield yes. met with a psychic at the Combine, Wow! and they pulled cards, and it and uh, he was went in very skeptical, and he left, and he was like, okay, that was a little bit too much, like talking about his mom and all that stuff, but the card that he pulled was the Arizona Cardinals, mm. and he reacted in a way in which he was like, wow, this is a team that definitely loves me. He, he pulled it out and he was like, oh my God. He goes, if this happens, then we're going to have to. And so now I'm really rooting for Baker Mayfield to go to the you Arizona Cardinals. Yes. Arizona. The psychic afterwards, they asked her, you know, what vibe did you get from him? What kind of a career do you see? And he was, she was like, wow, I see, I don't know when, but I see Super Bowls in his future and I see a great career. Are That's you what the serious right said. now? Yeah, I'm being serious. Are you? And this happened at the combine. You're saying? Yeah, I can find the clip while you what talk about it. Did he go walk into like some random bar in Indianapolis and found? No, they, I think it was the NFL set this up, and then they went in there. Here, I'll read you. I'll I'll play you the end. This yep. you could find this. This is compliments of the NFL. So this turns out. This is him pulling the Cardinals. Hold on. Very good at what you do. Let's see if anything pops out. So he goes and he's. He's reaching and watch. He pulls the Cardinals, and here's his reaction. <laughs> Arizona Cardinals. Yep. This turns out to be true. There's going to be some weird stuff going around here. <laughs> right? But you could tell it's like, oh, man, they really like me. Yeah, and then it's, like, it's like literally like he walked out of a meeting just with them, and it's like, oh, they told me they're going to draft me. Exactly. That really happens. I feel really good with this this kid. Wherever he's going, he's going to end up going to the Super Bowl. I feel really good with him. Yeah. I don't I, I don't know what year. I just say Super Bowl around this kid. Wow. That's awesome. Yeah. I'd like to know this woman's scouting report. <laughs> We need to do our. Uh, I need to watch the film on this see, woman. I want to see her mock draft. Are, where are her results? Okay. Wait. So, do you believe in psychics? I do a little bit. Yeah, I do. There's there's some things there. Certainly that, you know, that horoscopes. Like I'll take it with like a grain of salt. I think horoscopes are nonsense. No, they're not all nonsense. The only reason I think they're not, I think that horoscopes, like the daily horoscopes, yeah. I could read you one for a Virgo or for an Aquarius. I'm and, a Virgo. Uh, <laughs> but I could read you an Aquarius and you'd be like, oh, that's me. That's I don't, me. I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't. I don't. Because I've had this game. Like, we have this book in my house, right, where you it'll break it down, like, by day. And it's actually hilarious. Like, if you go to your birthday, like, my birthday is August 29th, 1980, and it's scary how all over... Like my day in my, they're in my brain. This book and we, this is a fun like drinking game we do at times at the Sims household, where we'll sit around, you and open the, kids the book, get drunk, and hey, talk about kids, Tell me about your birthday. All right. So the uh, the three main characteristics of an individual born under this modality. I've entered your birthday. Very flexible, 
likes almost every change. That's not true. <laughs> That's what it says. Deals with unknown situations very well. All three of those are the absolute opposite. I've of never you. heard that about Virgo ever. You're on Virgo right now. I'm on the horoscope. You're not yeah, on Virgo. 8, August 29th, 1980. I just. I one time went to a psychic, and uh, they like she looked at my palm, and she's like, "Wow, your your life and love line are enormous. You right. you have amazing things destined for you." Yeah, well, and I was like, "That's the equivalent of ordering from a waiter," and and you're like, "Oh, the sea bass." He goes, "Excellent choice," and you're like, "Oh, wow, that that validation was perfect. Yeah. Thank you." But I, I I've been. Like, how many times do you think they look at them and go, you have awful luck, nobody likes you, and your life shall end I was at soon. the DeBartolo house, okay? The DeBartolos. Damn, I didn't know we were going to get here. We're going here, because this is like one of my... But the DeBartolo house for a fundraiser, back when I'm playing for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and Mr. DeBartolo, <laughs> the old owner of the San Francisco 49ers, he could throw a party, and he was the coolest guy around. I mean, he really was. There couldn't be a nicer guy than Mr. DeBartolo. So he invites us to this, um, this event at his household casa de debartolo okay Ooh. yeah because it's big and there is a um you know what do they call it? like the one that reads the cards the same thing yeah. she is tarot card tarot reader. card is that what it is and my wife went up to him and my wife will still talk about this woman to this day because like not that she was exactly specific but she talked about certain cities we were going to move to, that we were going to have a kid in this city and a kid in that city. And she predicted all and of it. And she was all over it. And my wife, like for the longest time, was like, ah, I, I can't believe it. This is what this woman said three years ago. She said we were going to go to a city. What the, city? Boston? Yeah. I don't know, she, you'd have to ask her all the details See, of the like, stories. See, I'm a believer that so it's general. That stuff, I know. It's general. And then your wife is like, you're living in Boston. You're like, that psychic 15 years ago said that we were going to have a baby. Yeah, I know. I, I get, get you. Right I get now. you. I just not, they're not going to be ultra specific, but there are some generalities. We need to get a show there. psychic. Yeah, fine. That's what we should do before. I'm going to bring this book in and read your birthday, and Perfect. it's going to be spot on. But I also think that before the NFL season next year, yes. when we make our, our year end predictions for Super Bowl winner and right. stuff, we should bring in a psychic. Okay, tarot card reader. Cool. I like that. I like that too. Uh, all right, so let's go to uh, our interview with Joe Montana, uh, Joe Montana, Joe Montaning Bed Senior. Uh, he was awesome. It's a thirty-minute conversation, uh, and also pay attention when he talks about heart disease because you could tell it impacts him a lot. That's the reason we got a chance to meet with him today, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Here's us with Joe Montana. Very professional. <laughs> We're professional. Kid's here. got a great clap. Uh, <laughs> I've been perfecting it for a long time. Yeah, he went to the clap combine, came back, feel <laughs> ready to go. Uh, we're here with the man, the myth. Yes. I don't think it's a myth. He's just the man and the legend. Like, there's no myth. Like, he's the man and the legend, right? Kinda? Joe Montana. Montana. <laughs> How you doing, man? I'm hanging in there. How about you? Guys? Welcome to New York. Oh, thank you. What are you doing out here? Uh, my wife Jennifer and I are working with um, Amgen on a on a awareness campaign for heart disease, right? And, and called Break Away from Heart Disease, and uh, we're just out here spreading the word, trying to get everyone to get out there and understand that this is kind of a silent killer, and it's uh, you should get with your doctor and make sure that um, it's not affecting you, and if so, get a game plan and get yourself uh, on the right track to 
hopefully we can save a few lives along the way. Yeah, you know, actually, it's funny. Heart disease is kind of like a silent killer. Like, you don't realize. I know my wife actually brought this up to me about heart disease. Like, drinking. It's one of the number one, I guess, issues for heart disease. So you wouldn't expect that. But, hey, all you drinkers out there, pipe it down a little bit. (laughs) Well, I, I think what's interesting, Joe, is like, so... You guys have your life, right? And you go out there and you achieve all this stuff and people probably ask you about your past all the time. Mm-hmm. And then you reach a point in life, you're like, okay, I'd like it to stand for like more than just a sport. What is my cause? And you picked heart disease, it seems like. And I'm curious, why is it so important to you to spread this message? Well, um, a number of reasons. Both of us have um, heart disease on, on our side of the family, Sure, on both sides of the family. Her father passed away at 60 from heart disease. My, my mom had high blood pressure and high cholesterol. Her two brothers uh, um, had heart attacks. My grandfather passed away at 54. And I think one of the things is, is, is your family history has a lot to do with even our, our kids. So right. we want to make sure that they're prepared. And um, the opportunity came along to get the word route uh, to a, a much larger audience. And sure. So we thought it was a great idea, especially since it's so close. I mean, I was diagnosed with high blood pressure a couple of years after I retired. Just, I went simply for a physical. And it, we did, my blood pressure was really high. I kept monitoring, monitoring. I kept going, oh, it's gonna go down. It's gonna go down. <laughs> and it didn't. So um, we worked on kind of a game plan for me. It's, and that's why we say get with your doctor. Uh, or you can get on our website too, uh, breakawayfromheartdisease.com. Yep. It has a lot of great information. Uh, even before you see your doctor. But I, that's a great jumping off point, actually, because, I mean, Joe Cool with the elevated heart rate, that not, doesn't yeah, seem the, right. The right? commercial writes itself. Right? He was cool on <laughs> the football field, but his blood pressure was rising. No. Visit breakawayfromheartdisease.com. But I, I'm dead serious. It's one of the first questions I wanted to ask you. Like, what actually makes you so cool? Like, really? Like, even just standing around here, looking <clears throat> dressed like Johnny Cash, okay? <laughs> okay? And then, I mean, whether it's all the times you came back and, like, I I've said before we got on camera ruined some childhood Sundays by being clutch in the fourth quarter. I mean, 1988 bomb down the sideline to Jerry Rice silence in the middle. Yeah, okay? He showed me that clip and was like, you don't understand so how incredible this I'm was. I'm dead serious <laughs> as I'm waxing poetically about you. What is it the way you were brought up? What is it about you even in clutch situations in a game where you were able to keep your cool and be that kind of guy? I, I think one of the things I found out as as my career went on, especially especially when I got to San Francisco, was you know, the the more I was prepared and the more I prepared myself, the easier, not the easier the game came, but things out there were easier to, to deal with because right. I'd seen him so many times. Um, Bill Walsh, I mean, he wanted perfection from the quarterback. He, you know, back when we played, we didn't have the little yeah. ear, the the ear, ear things piece, where you could right, talk. Right, that's so, cheating, right? <laughs> yeah, we, would have, we had our game plan. We had 130 pass plays on average, right. 30 some other, and they all had two and three formations. So you you had to know, memorize the formations because we only got signaled to play. Right. And then you had to memorize what order Bill wanted those other formations. The next time he called the same play. I imagine so, he was very so, particular about all of that. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Just yeah, a little. So, <laughs> so. so, wait, uh, that's really interesting. So you had to memorize the play, and then throughout the week of preparation, you had to know, okay, these are the three or four formations yeah. we're running this play out of, and then also go, oh, Bill likes it's, it in this order? This is the order he wants. How, that's is, unbelievable. how is that different than what it is now? 
now it's, I mean, huge wristbands, or it's like we heard this year with Jared Goff and Sean McVay, yeah. where they have the earpiece, like Joe was talking about, where they're literally breaking the huddle, and the coach is still giving them reminders and yeah. telling them things to do. Do you think Bill Walsh would have enjoyed that? You know what? It was the funniest thing. There was one photo, I and I totally forgot, where I have a wristband on with the thing on. Yeah. He came up with this idea one time. He wanted to go a two-play sequence all the time, and he didn't want to waste the time signaling two sure. plays in. So it was the only time we ever had a wristband on that had plays written on it. <laughs> Otherwise, Bill, no, he... he maybe if we had a, a simpler way, he would have gone for it. But yeah. back then, he... I mean, that was that, I spent most of my time. Heck, Jennifer used to help me study. She study. Yeah, up. <laughs> she would study me up and make sure I had it by the end. He of was the week. pretty good. He could remember things. Jennifer, pretty good. Oh, yeah. He was all over it. Yeah. So wow. you're like in the living room, and she's asking about like the bunch <laughs> yeah. set with the motion. And, yeah. yeah, but <laughs> then awesome. then she would tell me, but but you forgot to take the trash out. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes, that is yes. the number one yeah. issue yeah. in all relationships. All right, all right well, so, I got a question yeah, about go the cool thing. Yeah, I yeah. want to go there too. So. so. I think when you're known for something, it changes the way the public reacts to you, right? Like, Malcolm Gladwell's really smart, so everyone wants to ask him a question. Or like, Usain Bolt's Who's Malcolm really, Gladwell? He's, you wouldn't know. Okay. Uh, then like, <laughs> Usain Bolt's really fast, and I'm sure a lot of people are like, you wanna race? When you're known for being cool, what happens then? Like, what did you notice a lot that you were like, man, this, this nickname, it's really changed the way people interact with me? Um... <clears throat> I, I probably get the same question, you know. You know what? What? What enabled me to do mm. to, to seem so cool? And but I, the one thing I tried to do as a person on the on the field is I, I was I was a little bit of a prankster, um, and I would make fun of you in a heartbeat. And right. is and obviously I'd get it back, but I didn't care if we were in the huddle. It was the middle of the game. We were winning. We were yeah. losing. I just tried to be myself the whole time. And, yeah. Um, I don't know whether that helped me deal with the pressure myself, but um, you know when you kneel down and you kneel in your left tackle's urine, he, he just went to the bathroom <laughs> and didn't tell you before you got in one right, knee. That's you know, great. There's something funny about that. <laughs> Maybe not for me, but, but yeah. Wait, so is that? I mean, so what, like our that's last a thing question, that that happens. Well, yeah, yeah, all linemen are gross. I mean, they're, yeah, gross. they're gross. They are they're gross. All gross. Yeah, they're all gross. <laughs> but like, okay, like so, Super Bowl twenty three, you're going out in the field for that last drive, the mm -hmm. clutch drive against the Cincinnati Bengals, and of course, the famous story about you pointing out Jim, Jim, John Candy in the stands. Like, yeah, did true. you plan that before you went out there, or was that totally organic and just kind of happened? Because everybody on your team <laughs> raves about it. Yeah, what happened? What happened is our. Our starting tackle, Harris Barton, yes. was a people person. Right. So all the time, you know, Super Bowl week, you would go, we'd practice in the day, we'd have dinner off, and then we'd come back for meetings again at night. And he was like a little kid. As the weeks went on, week went on, more and more celebrities were showing up in, in town, and he was so excited about <laughs> who he saw that night that he was like a little kid when he saw you. Right. And so TV timeouts are forever in the Super Bowl. And I'd been to the sideline at least once, maybe twice, and I was just standing in the huddle. And I, I had met John Candy a number of years prior because my contract was about to come up, and he owned the Argonauts, and he was trying to get what? me to go to Toronto. What? Yeah. Yeah. So, oh, not, my gosh, yeah. that's unbelievable. <laughs> so he just happened to be framed between two of the guys' shoulders, and, and I just thought, well, shoot, I don't remember Harris saying he saw John Candy. So I, I figured he would appreciate it. <laughs> 
um, me pointing him out, and Harris always stood, and he was a little bit anal. He would stand perfectly still like this, and, and for the whole eight minutes, whatever the TV timeout was, and then and then he looked over there, and he looked, came back to me, started mumbling something, Super Bowl, trying to win, you look in the can, what are you, what are you doing? It's just crazy. But I always say he appreciates it more today than he did oh, back sure. then. That's your favorite yeah. Super Bowl win. Do you have a favorite? I mean, I know you have four. I think they're all different. Right. I mean, if you look at them, you know, obviously playing Cincinnati the first time, it was the first time you get there. So that first time you walk on the Super Bowl field, it's different than the next times you sure, go. Sure, sure. Um, and then we go and we play basically at home. We played at Stanford and we played uh, Danny uh, Marino yes. and the Dolphins where we, you know, Kind of dominated. Yeah, the game. we had a good game. Right. Uh, defense. 38-16. Our defense is pretty good. Yes. <laughs> yeah, our defense is pretty good. <laughs> now he's going to do the whole thing. Now do your next yeah. one. I'll get it too. Oh, yeah. uh, you mean 20-16, to 16, uh, Jerry Rice yeah. in the Cincinnati Super Bowl? That would be the next <laughs> and one. And then what was the fourth one? The fourth one was 55-10, Denver Broncos. Uh, five touchdown passes over here. Hog over here. Five touchdown five. passes, yes. But that's the problem. One, two, three, they took four, me out. Five. They took you out. They took you out, and you don't want – that's the one game you don't want to come out of. Right. right. You're trying right. to right. stay in. <laughs> but they take you out, and then, then it was over. Yes. So. I, I assumed growing up that you, Wayne Gretzky, and Michael Jordan all hung out. <laughs> like, I just thought that was a thing. Like, yeah. I would see, like, a commercial, I'd be like, man, those guys are the best friends ever. <laughs> I would see Gretzky a lot. I, I didn't see my, I didn't run into Michael very often, but I did see, I did see Wayne a lot. Man. I mean, when you, so you're Joe Cool, he's the great one. Right. Like, that's pretty good. I know, when he started playing professional when he was 12 or something. Yeah, right? It was yeah. Like crazy. <laughs> Yes, yeah, he was like a savant. Well, yeah. one, one other way I want I, I think just so interesting about you and your your upbringing and everything, just the the Western Pennsylvania roots of like quarterbacks, right? Whether it's yeah. whether it's you know Dan just or Marino, you or yeah. John or Jim Kelly or uh, you know Joe Namath. Like, is there something that you look at in that area and go? I could see why it could, you know, breed or whatever else yeah. bring franchise type quarterbacks to the NFL. I think it was the beer. The beer, yeah, <laughs> the beer did it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Toughened you up a little yeah. bit. <laughs> no, I just, I think it came from uh, a, a point in time where, you know, we were in a in a tough area, steel mills, coal mines, and I think sports were. I'm sure there were other places like it, but it's the only thing I can think of was a way out of a way of life right. that your parents and your grandparents had and they saw that because my, my mom and dad could have never sent me to Notre Dame they would could have never afforded it sure. so uh, the only way for me to get ahead and that and and they I think they saw that was to be able to get a scholarship through sports or right or in another way but um, so you think sports it, was a big I didn't mean to cut you off just like the no. steel way the steel that hard nose we're yeah. gonna be just focused yeah, on our job t- yeah I think so and yeah. then and then you watch this Pittsburgh at that time, the Steelers were going through right. a tough road, and then all of a sudden they they won four Super Bowls, and so being a part of that and uh, watching that as a kid growing up, um, you know, yeah, it's I, I love jump. Plus, off. the game's kind of fun, as you know. Yes, it yeah. is definitely. <laughs> well, also, so I went on a rant yesterday about why the Niners Uh-oh. can bring back the '81 Niners if they trade for Odell Beckham. Because I find a lot of similarities behind the trio that could be and your trio. Bill Walsh, Kyle Shanahan. I'm going to do the whole thing. Do, do give it to him. Go ahead. Bill Walsh and Kyle Shanahan both started off as assistant coaches in California. Both started off somewhat linked to the Raiders. Uh, and then they go through and they both have these unbelievable offenses. You grew up in an Italian family in, in 
Western Pennsylvania, Jimmy Garoppolo, Italian family, middle of the country, both stayed in the middle of the country. Neither of you started quarterback until your junior year of high school. Then you're both drafted after the first round by a legendary coach named Bill. Odell and Jerry Rice went in the South, stayed in the South, went to stay there. Come on, man. What's, what's in his coffee? He, want, he, he wants Odell. Yeah, yeah, I, want, I want Odell to go to the Niners so bad because right? I, when you're 81 team, or the you come in in 80, right? Yeah, and you, 79. 79, and you lead the comeback, and then you go 6 and 10, and then that sets you up for the 13 and 3. Yeah. I feel like we just saw that, but they're missing that guy. They're missing Jerry. Oh, they they need some help on the outside there. Um, someone like that would be a definite plus for him. Right. But are you feeling I that energy around the get, team? I'm not sure how you get rid of the guy like that. <laughs> That's what I've been saying, Joe, saying, right? Like, you, would you be mad at Bill if you said, I'm, we're, th- we're thinking we're about gonna, trading Jerry. Uh, in, in, we in get two prime. first round picks. <laughs> in his prime. Yeah, okay, it'll take two to probably catch up to him. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, just, right. it's just hard to get rid of a guy like that because I. He, I, he's probably the premier guy in the league, and I just don't know how you let him get away. Yes, I are you? Wrong, do you recognize that people call Jimmy Garoppolo Joe Montaner? Yes, we call we call him Joe Montana. Ben. He's a hair tanner than he is, so we're going with that. <laughs> I just wanted to bring that to your attention. You wouldn't know that if he put his helmet on. Right now. Um, I, I, other like oh, I, I want to know what oh, you think sorry. about Jimmy G. Okay, I don't know. I, I think it's still. Too early, too to, early tell. to tell. Yeah, I mean, these guys played five games so far, right? He's he, he just don't know. I'm um, hopefully yeah. for the 49ers and in the Bay Area, you know, he's he'll be the difference. Well, the fact that but you said that on. Odell's the best, you evaluate, right? Like I'm sure you watch a game, and you go, "Ooh, there's something good about that guy." No, there's something about him that he's made the transition. It seems like in that offense, he's, he understands what it takes yeah. to win there. You also played at the end of the season where somebody probably caught a couple teams. Yeah, right. So I, I'd love to see him now that everybody's back in order and, and it's starting from the beginning. I think this season will be a big tell. I think so, too. And, I, and you know, like I said, hope for the 49ers. That, but you look at the history I always look at is everyone who's left behind a great quarterback like that and left the same system. Mm. Has not had success. True. There hasn't been one. Matt Castles and all those guys. Yeah. yeah. Right. Look at all those guys. Look at all the way back to uh, Scott Mitchell, who left. Sure. You know, had a de- decent career, but not a great career. Right. Um, the guy that left from behind Steve and went to Kansas City. Oh, uh, um, yeah. I mean, he was your backup in Kansas City, too, wasn't he? No, he, he, no, he was after me. Bono? Um, you're talking no, about Bones. Uh, Bones. Bones. Um, Burke? No, no. I'm trying to think, oh, too. Oh, God. He backed up Elvis Gerback. Elvis Gerback, right, right, yeah. right. And um, yeah. so you, I, I think it's uh, it's a little too early for me to tell. But hopefully, like I said, hopefully, it, it, yeah, he's made it. It seems like he understands what it takes in that offense to to make it work. Just cool quarterbacks, man. That's what uh, the franchise does. I mean, well, I'm you know me. I'm checking Joe's body out too. Like Joe is like you know one of these guys too. He looked at uh, you. Yeah, I'm so checking you out, Joe. Yep, sorry. <laughs> because you get <laughs> well. You're, you're. I always look at anybody's but you. I always. I mean, fat. You know, your long arms, big fingers, long hands. You could tell that's why you could throw the football, Lefko. That's why you could throw. That's why you could spin that thing. So Sim I'm, says he's a master in looking at guys' bodies. Yes, and like <laughs> figuring out why Expert they're athletic. Looking at naked men and telling them why they're good at sports. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, I was looking up your nicknames because you have like a million nicknames. And one of them was, was it Skinny Legs? 
Bird legs. <laughs> Bird that, legs. That's the worst one. Golden Joe. Joe Cool, the comeback kid. Then they had a nickname contest in the San Francisco Chronicle where you got named The Big Sky. But then someone said that your name sounded like a nickname, so they named you David W. Gibson. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> said, I, said I needed a real name. I already had a A nickname. cool name. <laughs> yeah. And you put it above your locker? They sent me a plaque with it. On. A Daniel Gibson? So, David W. Gibson, yeah. So, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's, pretty cool. yeah that's when your name is so cool, you need a less cool actual name. Yeah, like how dare you? That's too cool. <laughs> oh, uh, the number 16. I've always wondered this because you wore three in college. There was no... I guess there was Len yeah. Dawson before, you know, but no yeah. great 16s as you were growing up. Um, we, had a, we had an old equipment manager when I got to San Francisco. He'd been there for a long time. He said, here, pard, this is yours. <laughs> and that was it. it. That was it. That was it. That's how I got and it. you were okay with it. And you just said, okay, I'll roll yeah, with it. that's all right. I got it. I'll take it. Man, that's amazing. <laughs> okay, I'm going to bring up some bad memories now, okay? Um, January 4th, 1987, was that the hardest hit you ever took in your career? Do you remember that hit? You might not. You got knocked a little silly. <laughs> I don't know this. Hit. No, no. That was not the hardest? No. This is divisional playoff game, Jim Burt. We need Burt. to actually splice it really this highlight. It really wasn't oh, yeah. as much Jim's hit. As the ground? As the ground. Right. And then um, the one that was the worst oh, probably was uh, Leonard Marshall. Marshall. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah, that I one. forgot about He's that laughing. one. He's laughing yeah, that at one. <laughs> Yes, that was. I kind of backed into it, too. He was at a full-speed sprint from the other side of the field. Cause I, and I was, you were I was setting feeling up. Did, so good. Did you have somebody open downfield? Yeah, Jerry, and I just dodged LT, so I right. figured I just got out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Little did I know. They literally said from the bench, I can still remember watching the game as I was a 10-year-old, and Joe was on the bench, of course, beat up, and my dad's not even playing. But they go, the report from the bench on Montana is everything's hurting. <laughs> and I can still remember that. Yeah, my, he he compressed it. But you know how it gets when you get compressed in the ground. That's, yes. where they kind of, that's where they hurt you. Everything goes bad when they try to compress you. So mm-hmm. from, from he, that point, like, you had to sit at a football, basically, and get yeah, healthy. Yeah, but he broke my hand. Right. That's what got it. Okay, that was yeah. what got it? Yeah. He, I mean, I could have gotten back in the game yep. had it not been for my hand. Okay. But my, he spiral fractured my hand. And so I couldn't. Yep. Obviously, couldn't hold on. And then Steve fumbled the snap, anyways, and ruined everything. So it didn't matter. What about it? <laughs> uh, we were winning when I left. <laughs> I love you, Joe. You're the man. <laughs> uh, I found this article today from 1990, written by uh, Vito Stellino. So it might be from the Italian Post Gazette. Uh, <laughs> but it says that Joe Montana vaults from fifth to first this year when he became the first player in league history to average more than $3 million a year. Kirk Cousins just got, what? 27. 27 a year. Right. And a half. Damn. I feel like there needs to be a payment plan to, like, the Joes and the Phil Simses and the... Like, I, I look at their contracts back then, I'm like, man. What year that, was that? 1990. Man, that's yeah, that's 28 a, years ago. Right. Yeah. Do, you, do you marvel at it, where the game's come and that? Oh, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it's nuts. I mean, it's great for the players. <laughs> right. Sure. But it's... Whew, <laughs> oh, to, oh, to be playing now, huh? Oh, my gosh. Well, he Just kicks himself. Yeah. yeah. You're right. And they're like the middle-of-the-road guys are getting 17. Oh, I know. My wife is totally clueless about football, and she saw one of the contracts like a few weeks ago, and she was like, is that what the quarterbacks are making now? And I was like, yep. And she's like, oh, my gosh. You need and to go back to work. She did. She kind of said, like, you think you can still play? <laughs> Throw it to the outs. <laughs> um, I, I want to talk about just – 
Bill and in terms of the offense. Mm-hmm. How soon did you know, oh, this is different? Like, this is going to be game-changing. Was it early on? Did you have to experience no, success for No, in the beginning, it was, it was difficult uh, learning from. I came from two, it's funny, when I was at Notre Dame under Air Parsegian, um, he had an offense where there were no numbers at all. It was all words. Right. The next, when Divine came in, it was almost all numbers mm. and no word, very few words. And now we get to Bill, and now you have both words and numbers. And, try, and the numbers really were nothing but protection. And so I think once I found out, I was just talking with Boomer. Oh, you went and saw Boomer this morning? I saw Boomer this morning, and we were talking about the same thing. Is like the most important thing for you to figure out is protection. Yeah. And if you can't figure out the protection, it's hard to take care of the rest of no, it. No, that's possible. And so once I started figuring out what all the – because some of the numbered protections, like twenties, were the same as a seventy, right. except for one little. Could have been a, two backs one, in the backfield, or yeah, one, one back yeah. in the backfield, and, and, or the guard or the center was going one direction or the other, right. one strong or weak. Right. Until you figured all that part of it out, so you knew whether you were protected enough to be able to now look down the field and run the, run mm. the offense. It, so it took it took a while to to get really comfortable with that, but. I think one of the biggest understandings is when I had a conversation with him, and I think it was my second year, talking about the offense where he said, we're going to, here's what we're going to do. We're going to attack this side of the field right over here. And, I, and whether it's man or zone, we had all kind of um, the leadway as our receivers. You could, a hook could be a, could be a cross, could be a hook, could be a, an out, it could and Jerry even turned it to where it could be a post. Right. And just depending on the read. And so um, he said, but I'm also going to give you, we're going to try to control. If we get a zone, we're going to try to control with these other two guys down here and, and another one on the other side. So this is where I'd like you to throw the ball, but you don't have to. If it's covered and it's covered from this side of the field or this guy's taking it away, throw the ball to this guy. And getting an understanding that it's first down, he goes, the thing about defense is they're, they're, they think funny because if I hand the ball off and on first down you run the ball for four yards, what does everybody say? You can't give up four yeah, yards. Right. Drop back the pass on first down. Oh, I don't like the guy down there. I give the ball to the tight end or the back four yards. Right. Same four yards. Yes. Right? It's a, like but, a different look it, for them. But they feel like they stopped. Yeah, right. And then all of a sudden you're inside their 20 and they're going, oh, how'd they get down here? We've yeah. been so doing yeah, so yeah, well. Yeah. And and it's just, it was getting that understanding of where to go with the football and when the for, when it was time to force a throw yeah. or try to make a tight throw and when it wasn't. And and to just take what the, the defense was giving you. We talk to Big Phil every week. I think we're going to call him again later today. We yeah. bother him. He's at home. It's your time. <laughs> we call it fill-in time. Yeah, he just he just watches film and, right. and tells us what we're missing and right. calls us idiots. Yeah. Right. Um, but he's talked a lot about when he would get hit and the trash talk that would go between him and like oh, Reggie yeah. White or Jerome Brown, whatever. <clears throat> he never got to get hit by LT. And I'm yeah. curious, what was that interaction like? LT didn't. He didn't really say much. Really? Yeah, and, and and or sometimes he would say, "Man, Joe, you better get some help over there with your left tackle." <laughs> <laughs> so um, he he didn't really. I don't think he. I don't remember him talking a lot. Of he talked a little bit, but not. I don't remember it ever being trashful. Did anybody talk some, trash to you? Because like, everyone was probably couple, scared of you, and you got the ball out of your hand so quickly. Everyone was like, "Let's not piss Joe off. He might go down no, the we, field on us no, here." We had. Uh, 
couple in the championship game against the Cowboys. We was the Cowboys. We had beat them earlier in the year, and they were saying a couple bunch of things un, uncharacteristic, right, of the Cowboys, right. Um, but the old Cowboys, not yeah, the new ones. And, <laughs> and there was one, our Harvey Martin, who's since passed away. Right. He, I don't know, it was the third quarter sometime, and he finally came in. I don't know if he sacked me or he hit me and knocked me down. And you said, and I will be back. <laughs> and I said, well, I hope so, because I was beginning to think you weren't in the game. <laughs> and Randy Cross, was, who was blocking him most of the day, said, why do you got to say that to my guy? I said, Randy, Randy, you've been kicking his butt all day. Don't worry about yeah, that. That's right. awesome. going right. to make a difference. Uh, we do talk to Phil. I told Chris this at dinner on Thursday night, and I'm, I'm on a bash now. Huh. I, I want to start the campaign to get Phil Sims into the Hall oh, of Fame. Uh, I think he should be. not even just as a player, but – like he was the voice of the NFL for like twenty years on yeah. a major broadcasting, and I just would like to hear you confirm. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. You know, you look at—I don't won't say names, but you look at guys that made it in, and and I and it just overwhelms me that he's not in there already. Yeah, yeah, it blows me away. Well, thank you. My my wife and I talk about it all, a bunch of times. Well, we're good. thanks, thanks, yeah. thanks right. a lot. Um, I think it's. I think we're going to launch the campaign. Right, yeah, I'm we'll already see. telling I mean, Josh that we're going to the Hall of Fame in August because the greatest safety of all time, not named Ronnie Lott, Brian Dawkins is going. <laughs> He's an Eagles fan, John. <laughs> yeah. He's all messed up in the head. Must be happy. Now. Oh yes. yeah. Uh, yes. I want to say one more quick. Uh, I want to ask him who the best team he ever played against before we right, go. We you know I have up. to ask that yep, question. We'll let you out. But like, who was the best team you ever played against in your career, You know, other than your own, whether you beat them or lost, but who's the one team you looked at and you were like, man, they were so talented. I don't know. Well, the Giants. Well, yeah, the Giants they were? You, yeah. Okay. What in, in, I don't know, whatever years you can pick in there when they had that defense going. And, right. And 85, had, 86 yeah. years. Those, yeah. those, were some, those were good teams. Yeah. Everybody talks about the Bears. The Bears were, the Bears were a different kind of team. Where you know you when they came up with that defensive the scheme, Bear defense, until right. you figure, till Big Bill figured out how to play it, because everybody like you, you would turn on the video and you go, "Holy crap, everybody's open!" Right. But the guys on the quarterbacks on the back, right, right. And so everybody tried to get everybody out. And then Bill said, okay, forget that. We're going to keep everybody in. Right. Everybody has a responsibility to block. You're on the run. And if your guy doesn't come immediately, if he hesitates at all, go. Yeah. Mm. And, and if he comes, stay and block. Right. And then we'll work on the outside. And that's kind of that's kind of what you did. What we did from that, that right. point. Right. You guys were kind of the code crackers of the Bears, I guess, overall. I think once people figured out if you block them, it's hard to – well, you know, it's hard, it's hard to cover to, guys down the field yeah. with man-to-man. For an extended with, period of time. Yeah. yeah, with Jerry Rice and John Taylor. Right oh, yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> right. Uh, the reason we have Joe here today is because we are trying to help fight heart disease. Go to breakawayfromheartdisease.com. You can learn more about the importance of understanding the risk factors, game tools that can help you develop your own game plan for improving your heart health. It's impacted your family. It's definitely impacted my family. I think yeah. it impacts everybody's It family. does. I mean, it's, it's the number one killer. No doubt about it. Yeah. I mean, my grandfather, he, he was an alcoholic growing up, and I mean, 
he died of a heart attack. So I'm sure that didn't help things. Dude, the stories of Chris's great grandfather are unbelievable. <laughs> <laughs> he was like pulling teeth out of his own head. Yeah, well, I mean, he already knew the Sims family was crazy. So of course, that's just that was the head Sims craziness. Just man. a just a right. farm in Kentucky. <laughs> and then, you know, I I think about you growing up in like Western Pennsylvania and like Phil Sims and like Kentucky and like Dan Marino. And I I think like what would have been like if you guys met as like a teenagers. You know uh, what I no. mean? It was so funny. I didn't. Yeah. And then it came a few years behind me, but not too yeah. far. Not yeah. far enough. Yeah. Right. Right. Yeah. Awesome. Joe, appreciate yeah. you, man. My, yeah. my pleasure. Thank you for Thank the you time, guys. man. Appreciate it. Thanks for being awesome. here, man. You bet. You're the Good man. to see you. Joe Cool. Joe. Joe. Super complimentary of your pops. I'm glad that... I, I'm going to go with this movement. Okay, The fine. Get Phil Sims into the Hall of Fame movement. Okay, good luck with that. Uh, but I like that Joe said that, and it's interesting that he took a few shots at quarterbacks that are in the Hall of Fame. <laughs> I thought he was talking about Kurt Warner. That's what I thought he was talking about. Yeah, I, listen, I don't know who he was talking about either. I'm not quite sure. I have some feelings. <laughs> Other 49er quarterbacks. Uh, but either it's way. It's an interesting dynamic. It's, it's a tough I situation. tried to talk to him afterwards right. about... Can you give us any insight about Belichick and Brady since you went through that with Bill Walsh? And he avoided it like masterfully, like twice. Either that or he didn't understand what I was asking. But I wanted him to share light on like, look, man, when Joe Montana got up there in age, Bill Walsh traded him like way before people thought he was going to be done. And that's what I feel like the Patriots are going through right now with Brady and Garoppolo. Yeah, I'll... I, I mean, Young yeah, was the Garoppolo. Young was the Garoppolo. I mean, the stories you always heard behind the scenes, right, were that Young was Mike Holmgren's guy, right? Mike oh. Holmgren was the OC there. He was the one that was pushing Young onto Bill Walsh. Interesting. And, of course, Young had a lot of physical ability, right? Of course, he could really run. I mean, he came out, he ran 4-5 in the 40 coming out of BYU. But throwing was an issue, but they all saw that there was certainly some potential there. And... Yeah, I mean, from everything you've ever heard of stories, and, and I don't know these like direct correlations, but I always heard it was a little nasty between, mm. between those two. It was ultra-competitive, and it even filtered into the coaching staffs a little bit about who they were sticking up for. Um, but, man, Joe got the last laugh. It doesn't really matter. Joe won four. Man. And, then he, and then he went to Kansas City and beat Steve. Yes, he did. Right. So uh, Joe, Joe's the man. I mean, I don't know if there's really been a – maybe other than Brady, I think Joe is the only guy I can look at and go, like, man, in a clutch situation, I don't know yeah. if you could trust anybody more. I will say this about Joe. Yeah. I've never seen someone's discussion in the best quarterback of all time, f- like, fizzle out faster than when Brady won five. Right. Like, always it was, you know, could be Marino. He had the best arm. But Elway, man, that guy could run and throw. Montana's got four. Yeah. As soon as Brady got five, I no longer hear Montana being talked about as the greatest of all time. No, you're right. He is. Because that was his leg up. That was his leg up. And then the funny thing is, of course, and you know this, I don't look at either one of them as the greatest of all time. I, I think the thing I look at, same with Joe, is like I look at Brady. They're more Derek Jeter than they are Michael Jordan to me. They're like really good at their positions, but they have this amazing, cool, calm clutch factor to where when things get tight, they seem to be able to execute at their best. And there's a lot to be said about that. I mean, being clutch is a lot of sports. Yeah, and a lot of people say it's an insult, but like Derek Jeter is one of the, like, you can't say I anything about anyone anymore. Jeter. You can't. You can't. I mean, I, I, I'm saying Sam Darnold's not the number one or number two pick. He's the number eight pick, and it's I'm I'm a horrible person. Yeah, you're a hater. I'm a hater. 
I mean, how dare I say he go in the top ten? What a, I mean, it's just you can't win. I just I give up with some of this crap. It is interesting that if you said a guy is fourth, like right. in the quarterback rankings, which means he goes still goes in the top ten, right. then you're saying that he's trash. Yeah, I mean that's the common thing I get from some of my Boston friends sometimes when I say Brady's the third greatest of all time. They're always like, I want to be like, I'm saying third greatest of all time. <laughs> I'm not saying third greatest now or like in uh, Patriots history. Yeah, like I don't understand it. Like man, I have to see it that way. I guess of every person that's ever played the. Position. I uh, I also think though that when you talk about Sam Darnold, yeah. you mention his flaws. Right. When people that are reverse, yeah. they talk about Sam Darnold one and Josh Allen five. Right. They say that I never want Josh Allen on my team. Like they think that he's going to be such a miss right. that it is insulting. Right. Whereas you're going, why are we not talking about Darnold's fumbling or the w- yeah. the way that he brings on pressure with Josh Allen? They go, I don't think this guy will ever make it. I don't. I don't. I, listen, I understand the concerns of all of them. I just want. I just want a fair conversation with yeah. uh, with everything. You yeah. know. I mean, that's that's my biggest issue. You know, like. Um, you know, we even talked about a little bit like the Dan Orlovsky, Orlovsky video of right. like where he's pointing out Josh Allen missing a blitz. See, that's where to me it goes back to our old buddy who wrote, you know, uh, ego is the enemy or Ryan ta- Holiday. Ryan Holiday or talking about bias. That's where bias starts to get into your scouting. And see, now see, he's starting to make up stuff that he doesn't really know, and he's going to evaluate the player on something that he doesn't know. And you're you're saying that it's not that he doesn't know, like he doesn't know football. He knows football, but you don't know what's been coached in the situation. You don't know in this specific case of the video that he put out where maybe the back was supposed to block that guy and he ran out into the flat and missed him and Josh Allen wasn't expecting him. Maybe the coaches taught him, you know, when they play this coverage, I want you to ID this guy. They've never blitzed in this formation. This guy's never blitzed, so we're going to move the line that way and don't even worry about him. Maybe he was taught that. See, there's so many things along the way to where you go – you don't know what happened. Those are where now you'd like to meet a Josh Allen. You watch the film and they go, "What happened here?" But listen, the guy who scored thirty-seven on the Wonder Lick, I think he's gonna be able to go. Let's protect that guy. I mean, that, that that's over analyzing. That's over scouting, and that shows its bias right there because you're not just evaluating the player. Now you're all of a sudden you were in the coaching room and you know what was supposed to happen. I think that I don't I don't want to attribute any intelligence to Wonderlick just because if you're gonna say you're smart at a thirty seven then you gotta say that no, you're dumb I know, at a twelve. I, I got you. I'm just saying that. Yes. But I do I'm just saying he's obviously smart enough to go make that guy the mic. So then when you're watching film right. You would have to see that repeatedly Rep- to go. He yes. has an issue with picking up the blitz. Yes, and it was that. I'm a either going to go. He has an issue with picking up the blitz, or I'm going to go. Oh, they don't really even. He's not even been taught about the blitz or anything. They just. They, he's been caught. He's been taught his offensive line is going to pick everything up. Right, and then you just react off of it, which happens in college football. It's the way I really was taught in college football. I had no audibles. That's what we were. We were a basic offense at Texas. Yeah, I you mean, had like six plays. We ran ten plays. And we were just better than everybody else except for Oklahoma, and we couldn't beat them because their talent level was equal. But I was a novice when I got to the NFL. I mean, John Gruden, if we had him on here, one of which his we first, will. yeah, which one of his first conversations, he made fun of me. He's like, I don't get it. He's like, why can't your team pick up this blitz against Oklahoma? It's the 15th time they run it, and you guys. And I just said, I don't know. I was told not to worry about it all week. We were going to pick it up. I did, and, and he was just like, well, nobody taught you anything? Uh, no, I just I made my proper ID. We blocked that guy, but they told me they were going to pick up this blitz all week, and we didn't pick it up. So, again, that's what and I what mean. what did he say? 
well, he just, oh, you're going to learn some football here. I mean, you know, <laughs> that, that shit ain't going to happen. But yeah. that's that's all I'm trying to say. This, and I'm not trying to crap. Dan Orlovsky knows a lot of football. No, I, like I know Dan. that. I'm just trying to say that would be an instance to me to where you're judging a little unfairly. I think it's. I think we're at that time where the rumors are starting up mm-hmm. and the fake rumors are starting up and you're we're like going over tape for like the 80th time. Right. Uh, speaking of the Super Bowls, Josh Rosen in an ESPN interview said, "I'd say six titles is what I'd like to win, but if Tom Brady gets six, I'll say seven. Yes. Good I for him. It. I love it. Yeah, well, that's I mean, why I want Rosen and Odell on the same team, even though the rumors are the Giants won't take them. Because man, that'd be the cockiest quarterback wide receiver duo ever. Well, but see, again, this goes again into like how we just stick with themes of guys. Because Deshaun Watson said this last year too. Of course, but nobody, this is what you're supposed to say. I know it's how exactly. many Super Bowls are you going to win? You know what? I'm okay if I don't win any. He's not a competitor. Yeah, so are people I'd gonna... like seven. He's too cocky. Right. I'd like four. Right. You just want to be in second place. Yeah, like, so what is the response to him saying that? Is everybody already like, oh, see, he's so cocky. He's already thinking about he's Super not, Bowls. I saw it's like he's not short of confidence. Yeah. Stuff like that. Yeah, well, he's a baller. So eat that. Yeah, I agree. All right, let's give Phil a call. Phil is down in Barbados. Barbados has no idea we're going to call him right now. He's on he's a family vacation. To a text message. Do you think he's in the sun? No. Do you think he's he, like in the li- he's going to be in the library, fake watching film? I mean, he's probably not even watching. What is film. fake watching film? I mean, I mean, who knows? He probably just he'd like to use that line. Oh, I've been down here just watching film, guys. <laughs> no, you haven't. There's no internet at that hotel, Dad. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> we'll see. Oh, yep. See, that's that overseas ring right there. That's that roaming charge. <laughs> oh, my God. I hope he answers. Please answer. Oh, I thought damn. that was it. <gasps> oh, I don't think we're going to get him. Darn it. Yeah, he's there. Mama Luca Boo Boo Day's there. Your call has damn. Been forwarded Let's leave him a voicemail. Yes. Voice we're going to leave a voicemail. Yeah. Two. Oh, oh, we get it. Not available. Perfect. <laughs> At the tone, please record your message. When you've finished recording, you may hang up or yeah. press one for more options. Hey, Phil, what's going on? It's your favorite two idiots. It's Lefko and Sims. And uh, we just wanted to say, I hope Barbados is going great. We just want to leave a voicemail while we're live on the podcast. And unfortunately, we won't be able to get to you tomorrow. Nope. Phil in time is gone. I hope you're getting some sun down there. I mean, you are the whitest man on planet Earth right now. And I hope you didn't spend all that money to Barbados to just sit in the hotel room. So go get some sun. Don't fake film watch. Actually watch that (laughs) film. And we'll talk to you next week. Love you, Phil. Good night, Dad. See ya. See ya. Did you hang up? Awesome. Okay. That was Phil and Ty. All right. Let's just make sure that the number doesn't get out there. (laughs) (laughs) I hope we got it. I hope we blacked it out. All right, so uh, last week we were talking about uh, the cornerbacks, or two weeks ago. All right. And uh, one of our dudes... That was dudes, last week, right? Was it last week? Yeah. And one of the guys that we didn't get to was Kevin Tolliver. Yeah, yeah, right. And you felt bad, and I got the scouting report here. But I want to hear yours really quick, because I need to figure out who sent me uh, the, the Kevin Tolliver okay, uh, tweet. So why don't you start off? This is the LSU kid. You didn't get to it last week. Uh, actually, first, why don't you talk about Denzel Ward? We 
had a comment that oh, came yeah, let's in. Let's ask that, and then you can look it up. We had a comment that came in, I think it was on YouTube. Right. And it said, hey, I noticed that Sim says the phrase, this isn't my type of corner or right. my type of guy, and it would be really helpful if we knew what Sims looked for in a position. Yes. And you said Denzel Ward's not really my type of guy. Yeah. So what kind of a guy is he? Again, this is not a negative, okay? I, I'm not talking negative here. Denzel Ward is certainly top 10, top 15 worthy, and if he goes there, I'm not going to sit there and complain and go, oh my gosh, I can't believe they drafted Denzel Ward. How stupid of them. No, that's not what I'm going to do. But I think the thing that I like, when I just say Denzel Ward's not my type of guy, uh, I just think this is this is it in a nutshell. I don't necessarily love his body, right? He plays small. He looks small on the field to me. I don't love his ability to break on the ball burst, accelerate, all those phrases that you use in the scouting world where, okay, yes, let's just say he's covering a slot receiver and the slot receiver at six yards runs a sharp out route. I don't like his ability to then stick his foot in the ground and try to break on the ball and make that happen. Nor do I like his contact or his ability to play physical with 50-50 balls. I found that too often that players end up catching the ball on him. And I really think that at the end of the day, I just question a little bit that maybe his style won't translate to the NFL as good as it looks in college. Mm. Trust me, there is this guy's the man. I'm not again. This is not about like trying to crap on this guy, but I was trying to say more that a a Jair Alexander is more my type of guy. Why? I just like the look of the man better. I think he's a stronger guy, especially at the line of scrimmage, getting jams on receivers. I like his ability to accelerate and burst more too. He makes more plays on the football, and I think he has more strength strength to knock the ball out or do whatever what it may. But yes, Jair Alexander's ability to play off and break on a ball is Marcus Peters-ish, right? Ooh. He's got that kind of stuff, right? Or like he reminds me of very much a William Jackson who came out of Houston for a few years ago and really was one of the best corners in football last year for Cincinnati. I would say watch out for him because he's going to be in the conversation this year. But that's the things I like. I think it's just a hair more twitchy Mm. and explosive than a Denzel Ward with the strength and the punt returning skills. Denzel Ward is more smooth and fluid and all of that. And and again, that's, that's a great thing to have. He is that, but I just don't know when he has to play the ultra twitchy receivers I don't see him always close the gap as well as Jair Alexander will or does. I just think there's a little bit more of a twitch and explosiveness, uh, explosiveness there. So that is Sims clarifying Denzel Ward. Right. This is Connor O'Neill. Connor was gracious that we even said his name. Well, guess what? Now we're reading your scouting report because we're going to do Kevin Tolliver the second. Uh, Tolliver the second at first glance is big. 6'2", 192, great for playing press. Fast feet, quick hips while playing from press, and he doesn't easily give up his position. Uh, that being said, he was sidelined the end of 2017 with a knee injury, something that might impact his lateral quickness. Uh, downfield, he plays aggressively with the ball in the air, but sometimes can be slow out of breaks. At the college level, he has the speed to make up for a slow break, but to be successful in the NFL, he's going to need to work on compacting his break well and getting his feet more in line with well, his hips, right. which will enable him to come out of his break more explosively. When tackling, he needs to work on his form. Not a sound tackler, but he's not one to shy away. Bottom line, he has the nastiness to take what to 
He has the nastiness it takes to play corner in the NFL. He has the size and skill set to be an NFL corner, but will need to work on his tackling and speed out of breaks to be successful. Yeah, I, I, a lot of good things there said. I, I see that. What's our man, Kevin, here? Uh, Connor O'Neill. Connor O'Neill. Connor, I mean, he, he, he's, he sees the guy a lot way. This is guy was a, a pleasant surprise to me when I turned on the film. Really? He really was. Uh, I think this kid's a player, first of all. Uh, I think Connor is very right where, like, his long speed, his, that, it's questionable. It's not, like, top end. It's not Denzel Ward or right. Alexander or Hughes when you watch it on film. But this kid's a big kid. 6'3", 204, has tremendous hips and feet. I mean, he really does. He talks about the tack- tackling. I understand that. I don't grade too harshly on tackling from corners. We haven't talked about Marcus Peters tackling and since he's been in the NFL. We've talked about his interceptions and his coverage ability a lot. So, listen, at the NFL, they'll get him down. I'm not looking for perfect form tackle all the time. But I wrote to the, this kid... Uh, Really reminds me of Josh Norman. That's who I wrote down. Is my uh, his movements? It's very similar. Josh Norman had a little Josh Norman's issue, and he had he ran four six six coming out. I went and looked his forty time, and I was like, man, he looks like Josh the way he moves. And of course, I saw Josh train in New Jersey, and so I just have a good feel for what his body is overall. But out of these big corners, Lefko, like you know, I put these guys in a different class. Like a Kevin Tolliver, I'm not going to put him in the same class, okay, as Denzel Ward and Jair Alexander. Mm. This is a different animal, okay. This is a different guy. This Kevin Tolliver is in the class of more of the Isaiah Oliver from Colorado, the Josh Jackson um, from Iowa, and then our man uh, Carlton Davis from Auburn. And out of those guys, I mean, Tolliver, I I like him better than the kid Oliver from Colorado, for sure. You like Kevin Tolliver over Isaiah Oliver? I do, without a doubt. I am not a fan of the Oliver kid from Colorado at all. I just think it's too slow. There's no twitchiness or explosion there. I see the length, and when he opens up, he can go. But I don't got all day for him to wait to open up. So uh, I wrote, so top end is the only thing I don't like. I would say he's a 4.58 type of speed. Uh, uh, Let's see. What the hell did I write there? First thing he does is, oh, to, first thing he does to help lack of top end speed is he's really good at staying on top of wide receivers. I mean, because of his length, he's great at jamming at the line of scrimmage. He stays on top of them, and then he kind of smothers them to where they can't run by him. He's kind of always running in their path. So he does a very good job, and he realizes that. Um, let's see, good in zone, solid tackler. Uh, can watch quarterback and the can watch quarterback and receiver at the same time, and still make great. Great burst on the ball, which you know I like that because it shows his ability to play zone and sit there and read the play and then go. Um, Let's see, I just wrote hands are pretty good. Kid can do kid can do it all on an island. And for me, I wrote he was a forty somewhere between forty five and sixty five. I mean, just has tremendous feet and hips. Very impressed with just his change of direction ability, his ability to burst. Like I said, out of the back pedal. Um, The only thing I said was how fast is he actually? Uh, I said he plays fast, but the top. Top end speed is just not elite. But out of the big cornerbacks, he is most impressive one other than Carlton Davis from Auburn, especially in man-to-man. That's right, and I'm glad I read the rest of this because compared to Josh Jackson and Isaiah Isaiah Oliver, Kevin Tolliver is a way better man-to-man corner than they are. Mm. And that, to me, makes him a better corner because you can teach a guy to play zone. I mean, that's not that hard. Oh, oh, you're going to midpoint this guy or we're going to teach you to read this, whatever it may be. Uh, I want to be able to see the skills to make special things happen. And I think uh, that's where... 
Yeah, I think he's in that conversation with Josh Jackson, who I don't think is a first-round corner, right? Gotcha. I think so I he's wrote... up there with the, the second-round guys. Yes, I think he's in the second round because the lack of true top-end gifted speed is going to scare some people. Wow, so Josh Jackson and Isaiah Oliver fall another spot with Kevin Tolliver coming up. Yeah, I do. I like this Tolliver kid. I really did. I didn't realize he even got hurt there at the end of the year, but either I don't, way. I don't think so. I don't think people realize why the draft on Bleach Report is going to be so good this year. Usually, I would say three years ago, Sims and Miller probably did about 2,000 videos before the draft. So you guys already knew your takes right. about Greg Robinson and Jadivian Clowney and all that stuff. Right. And then the Jameis year was at the year after that, right? Yeah, yeah. And then Jameis and Mariota, we probably did about like 1,000 videos right. beforehand, and we kind of knew it again. Last year, we probably did about... 200, 300 this year. Yeah. You guys have done zero, zero. videos together. Right. And what's great is when we first start going, you guys have your have your opinions. Draft night, me, you, Miller, for all of those hours yep. live right on Facebook Bleacher Report, right. Bleacher Report Facebook. And it's going to be awesome. Yeah. Because I think it's going to be a legitimate discussion of, of being like, you like him? Yeah, I like him a lot. You don't? Like, I think it could be really rare and interesting. Yeah. And I'm just excited because I've never, I don't remember ever being live with something I don't know the answers to. Yeah, right. I'm I, excited for I, it. I think it's, I know in other years, I was willing to draw a line in the sand and be like, "No, you're 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 Miller. You're dumb for this one, whatever right. it may be." Right. I mean, not knowing that. I'm not saying that like literally, of like course. just going like, "No, I totally disagree." Yeah, I do think that this year there will be good conversation yes. because, like, like we're talking with the corners. I just think there's. I think you're going to see a lot of people who see it different ways, even in the NFL. We're going to, oh, I like this guy just a little bit because yeah. of this, or this guy because of that. And that's the funny thing about the draft is we look at when guys get drafted to validate who is right about the quarterback. Yes, yeah, so like if does, Darnold goes one, right. you're wrong. Yeah, it right. has nothing to do with anything. No, it doesn't mean anything, right? And a lot of times this draft is about value and where they think the other teams are valuing them as well. So you pick a guy and going, man, I have this guy here and this guy there. Yeah, but there's a it'd be a long time before I pick again or whatever it may be and that that falls into the the equation as well uh, i'm gonna wrap up with this wrap up with this uh you know apparently your top draft pick in yeah. the animals was a lion but man according to our our good friend cesar uh cesar payan you should have taken the siberian tiger i mean i would did i take a lion in the first draft pick because Siberian tiger is my favorite animal. My my little girl told you that the Your first son. time you came. My son. son, right? Siberian tiger is the largest living ever to exist on Earth, and they prey on musk deer, deer, goral, wapiti. They also know for prey on brown and black bear in Siberia. On the other side, grizzly bear feed on prey of moose and deer. This, the Siberian tiger grizzly bears also hunt and kill black bear rarely. Oof. But I'll tell you what, man, I'm just looking at it. The Siberian tiger is a far better hunter. Both grizzly and Siberian tiger paw swipes are equally powerful, but tiger is more technical than a grizzly. Got wow. that good technical. Wow. Siberian tiger canine teeth are longer and thicker than grizzly bear. Right, right. Grizzly bear is slightly, only slightly, yeah. heavier, longer, and taller than the Siberian tiger. Yeah. Siberian tiger once used to kill brown bear for its food in Russia when there was lack of natural prey. Wow. So they only killed them when they were bored right. and ran out of food. Right. Man. Yeah, don't mess with them. See you, grizzly bear. You're in number Ru two. In Russia, Siberian tiger alone once killed a pack of three wolves at a time, which I think grizzly can't do. <laughs> 
This is, this is apparently someone wrote this. This is awesome. I like this. Well, I mean, this is my favorite animal in the world, right? The I mean, we, we, kept it, we kept it with bears and lions because there's actual bears and lions football team. Right. But, I mean, come on. We all know the Siberian tiger is going to wipe the floor with some fat grizzly bear. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to reach <laughs> out to the podcast listeners. Uh, picking two mascots from the NFL, what should be our battle next? Is it a Raider versus a Viking? Hmm. Is it a Falcon versus a Cardinal? Is it going to be a Titan versus a Jet? I don't know. You guys decide, and then we'll figure out which of us is taking which side, and we're going to argue to the death, and then we'll bring in uh, Big Phil, and he'll be the judge. Okay, fine. All right. Big Phil, get a tan. I mean, I If he it. came back with a tan. What? There's no way. There's no way. He comes out like at like 5.30. He will come out of his hotel room or inside or wherever it is. And I'm telling you, you're going to go, man, does that guy have white paint on his face? And I'm going to go, yes, it is. It's called sunscreen, but it looks like white paint. And he only wears it when the sun's beginning to set? He only will go out when the sun's beginning to set, but he's still going to put sunscreen on like it's the middle of the day and it's 90. Oh, he comes out with like a, like a, like a Mrs. Doubtfire face of sunscreen? Yes. Like not even just on the nose. And sl- long sleeve shirt with probably a big brimmed hat. Yes. Like a, it's so horrible. Like a safari hat. It's so horrible. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's unbelievable. And you thought your dad was embarrassing. <laughs> All right. Four sips. No, we're not done because I got to do one more thing. Oh, no. Don't play the music. Don't play the music. Sorry. Back off music. Uh, I, I got to talk about the charity that I'm involved yes. with because I got to give them some love. It's a special thing that I'm uh, um, being a part of or have been asked to be a part of. And it's called Friends of Jacqueline, right? Uh, and I just want to tell everybody what an awesome organization it is. They take kids with cancer and they pair them up with teams, organizations and companies in their communities for awesome experiences to brighten kids' lives up a little bit who have been dealing with a lot of tough issues and uh, life has not been easy. So we hosted a kid a few weeks ago. You met him, Charlie. Awesome kid. He was an awesome kid, right? Came here, got on the mic with us, talked some ball. We brought him around the office. We busted Uh, his his hump about Tom Brady. Right. He took it. He took it. I kicked his butt in in horse. Uh, I wasn't going to show him any favoritism there. He doesn't deserve he, that. He, he actually appreciated. He that. did. He's I think like, he was thank like, "Thank you glad for beating it. me in horse." <laughs> I know he didn't want any any uh, charity case there. But uh, right now, all right. So this is what I want to talk about. Friends of Jacqueline is raising money for these kids, and they're hosting a raffle. Right? If this raffle will be figured out, I believe, at the dinner that I am going to be hosting. That you're very excited I to see me host. Sims is emceeing an event, right? Which means that Sims is going to try and tell jokes, and I don't know. how how they're going to go. I just want to watch because it's going to be great. Um, but you can buy one of these tickets for $25. That's uh, cool. And if you, and if you win, you get, to, you get in, entered into a chance to win a two-day trip to Disney. Okay. For four people. That's cool. All right. So www.bit.do slash help cure. So that's www.bit.do bit.do slash help cure and that will take you to uh, the page where you can donate and you can help out Sophie and and your guy Charlie and all the friends of Jacqueline yeah. and donate to that cause. It's really it really is a great cause. It's uh it's a great little organization and how they've put this together to brighten kids' lives and I'm really I'm glad to be a part of it. I had a guy just to really approach me about the gym to get involved. I thought it was a it sounded like something neat to be a part of. I know you're really excited I'm gonna buy you front 
front row ticket so you can watch me. <laughs> but uh, regardless, if you do have a chance, you got an extra spare $25, throw it out there, see if you can win a trip to Disney. Awesome. Sims is doing good things, and now I'm feeling self-conscious, so I'm going to go hold the door for somebody and give a dollar to a homeless guy. You're so bad. I know, but you're great. Uh, proud of you. Uh, you. All right, guys. Uh, as always, support us on social at Sims and Lefko. Uh, if you want to add to that Reddit page, I check it every now and then. It's pretty funny. Uh, for Sims. Peace out, homies. Fedrick says. Good evening. And the L-E-F-K-O-E. Man. Says good night. Hope you guys enjoyed. Joe Montana. Uh, wish me luck at jury duty. And we will be hollering at you a little bit later next week. Talk to you guys soon. Love Give you. him the chair. Oh, man. <laughs>